Introducing the Soul Collection by Brilliant Earth, the global leader in ethically sourced fine jewelry. From pave rings to star-studded bracelets, each piece made with recycled gold or silver and beyond conflict-free diamonds, embodies Brilliant Earth's commitment to design, craftsmanship, quality, sustainability, and transparency. Drawing inspiration from the warmth and energy of the sun, soul is more than jewelry. It's an expression of your personality. The Soul Collection, exclusively at Brilliant Earth. Be light, be you. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Welcome to High Stakes, episode 26. I'm your host, Neil Orfield. You can find me on Twitter at PlayerQDFS. High Stakes is produced by Mike Lawrence. You can find him on Twitter at AwesomeYo. And my guest today is James on Twitter. You probably know him as the Degenerate 75 uh, James is very new to the DFS world, at least uh, publicly to the DFS world. He has really made a name for himself, exploded onto the scene this year. Uh, he tweeted on November 8th. This week, six months ago, I had 180 followers on Twitter slash YouTube. This week, I blasted past 5,000. Truly unbelievable. James has been everywhere. He came out of nowhere this summer. I didn't know who he was. Suddenly, he's all over my Twitter feed. Uh, people that I know are tweeting about him, how great he is. Uh, so I'm excited to have James on the podcast today. James, how are you doing today? I mean, I'm pretty good. I, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm currently working with DraftKings right now because they, they screwed up stats last night and it cost me to drop from second to fourth. So that is going to greatly influence my mood. But other than that, I'm great. Oh, no, I think I saw you tweet about that. It was, it was a touchdown that they yeah. didn't credit or something. No, he, it was a 29-yard cash. It was a touchdown. Yeah. And then like they ruled him out at the one, but then DraftKings took away the touchdown and the yards and the catch. And it's like, no, 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 he still gets the catch, you idiots. But I digress. I'm going to, I'm going to, before I slander anybody, I'm going to give him a chance to fix it. Okay. Was this, a, was this guy highly owned? I mean, you'd think that there would be nope. hundreds, thousands of people. Well, first of all, this. it was, it was Tuesday night degenerate maxion. So then okay. there was only like 3,000 lineups in it. Um, and then, uh, second of all, it was a 9% owned dude from Toledo, right? Like he, okay. he, only sweaty bastards like me would know to play a punt like that. Right. So right. well, still, I think there'd be a few more. Hopefully somebody else is in their ear too. So it's not just you because it's pretty easy to ignore one person and be like, okay, you just right. saw it wrong. If you see, if you get multiple people complaining, then maybe they do something about, well, hopefully DraftKings can make that right for you. Uh, so James, I, my understanding is you primarily are doing content related just to golf and uh, football in all of its forms. Is that, uh, is that true? Or have you expanded into other sports at this point? Oh no. Golf and football is it. And for these guys that do multiple sports, like I could list about five guys off the top of my head that do more than two sports. Those, those, those men are, they're, they're gods among men. I don't get how they do it. Like I, I do two sports and I, I like every day I'm like, I kind of want to just run my truck off a bridge right now. It is so much to make good quality content for two sports. It's a, it's a ton to do it for one sport. So the fact that I do two, let's just say it won't make me upset when like February rolls around and there's only golf. I'll just say that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, 
doing I'm just doing NFL right now and it is a grind just doing NFL uh, content constantly so I can't imagine doing two sports at once are you doing uh, main slates as well or are you primarily just doing showdown content yeah I, I mean I do like I already had the showdown hoedown brand uh from golf so that just you know naturally segue over to football but I do the main slate stuff because people like the main slate stuff and you know like I offer you know my my brand's much more like game theory I don't really ever give picks or anything like that I really focus on the the game theory side of it uh, much more than a lot of people. You know, there are people in the NFL that do it, but not many in the PGA. So all my PGA people wanted me to do NFL, so I kind of did it. Um, I also do college football, and there's like zero good content out there for that. Um, actually, probably the only other guy that does good content is from uh, Stochastic. Also, uh, Matt, he's Matt he does he does, yeah he does he does really good. But other than him, it's it's pretty bleak out there. But um, you know that that uh, that's the college football NFL main slates definitely. Uh, and then golf, which I think this is the last week we have for a while. Yeah, it's a bummer that we're we're gonna have no golf. I haven't been playing anyway because, as I was telling you before the stream, golf is a sport that I've just never gotten right. Uh, I'm a lifetime loser at it, so I have cut it out for the time being, at least. Uh, but I I would love to hear a little bit more about the uh, strategy, the the game theory behind golf, because for me it's always been tough. And we'll we'll talk about that a little bit throughout the show. First of all, I kind of want to get into background, uh, figure out, you know, your, your background in general, uh, your DFS background and, you know, how you got into the content game and how you, uh, you know, got this meteoric rise that you've seen this year seems to, to me, at least seems like, and, and I guess your Twitter backs this out, uh, that you kind of came out of nowhere. So let, let's talk a little bit of background, uh, but I'm going to start by just asking you some general questions that I ask everybody on this show. Uh, what kind of background, if any, do you have in statistics? Do you have any formal or informal training? Uh, so I guess I took like a high school statistics class would be the last time I took a math class. And then I went to college and did social studies for education. Cause I was a high school teacher for a long time. I've just always been like a savant with numbers, you know, like some people can read well, some people are very personal. I've just always been able to look at numbers and I've just always got it. Um, you know, like I always tell people like, I'm really good at mental math and like, it's like the worst gift ever. Cause it's never like once got me laid or anything like that. Um, but uh, it's, I've just always been able to look at numbers and analyze it. I've been obsessed with fantasy sports basically since rotisserie style baseball back in like 97, uh, back when you had to like go buy the magazines and like send your lineups to a call in place and it, old school, old school stuff. Um, so that's basically my background. I have no statistical stuff like even doing Excel now. I get pretty excited when I can do some basic uh, uh, inputs. Yeah, you sound pretty similar to me. I was obsessed with season-long fantasy baseball, season-long fantasy football. Like throughout the years, I was obsessed with it. Uh, also, no real training in statistics, but pretty good naturally at it. Uh, so, so pretty similar in our backgrounds in that sense. Uh, what about computer programming? Do you have any kind of training, formal or informal, in computer programming? Not in the slightest. Like literally none. I, 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 I think yeah. I, if I didn't have you know like some smart people in my Discord, my editor to do stuff, it would be a train wreck. Uh, I just, I just don't have that. Like I I'm pretty good at knowing my skills and sticking to them and just accepting that I suck at some stuff and, uh, you know, like learn enough to get by, but not, not ever try to be an expert in something I'm not. Yeah. I, I guess you, I guess I could have answered that question myself. Cause you just said that you get excited when you get something right in Excel, probably if you're a computer programmer, that's, uh, not, yeah. not a high bar for you. Yeah, no, uh, I was, a, I was a slapdick high school teacher. I can tell you all about early American history if you want to go there, but I, I, that, I don't think that crosses over to DFS real well. Okay, well, that kind of answers the next question, which is tell me about your professional background prior to DFS or any hobbies that, you know, are kind of related to DFS. Yeah, I mean, like, um, as, 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 as far as hobbies, I've just always, like, enjoyed playing sports. I don't really know how much there's any correlation between that and, uh, and being successful at DFS. You know, like, I'm a big dude, and so I can, like, go run people over and stuff like that. Uh, but I don't think there's much useful crossover at DFS as far as... Um, uh, 
my background professionally, I was a teacher for 12 years. I did that. I, uh, you know, I would say my best skill there is like now that I make content, I think my best skill that I have and part of the reason that I've taken off so quickly uh, is just because like I can get people to understand stuff very well. And that's what a good teacher does. Right. And now instead of teaching, you know, government or history or geography, now I teach game theory for PGA DFS and NFL DFS. And uh, uh, it, it, it seems to click in a lot of people's brains. And, you know, I guess we all have our, our weird gifts and that would be one I have. Yeah, it's definitely uh, very related to doing DFS content. I mean, being having that background as a teacher, I can mm -hmm. see how that would immediately translate to as long as you understand the concepts, you're going to have a leg up on anybody else who's a good DFS player who understands the concepts as well, but maybe doesn't have that experience trying to teach concepts to people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that uh, probably is reflected in why so many people have taken to you and, and do uh, yeah. consume your content. Because there is no shortage of super sharp dudes in the DFS community, guys that know as much or more than me. But if you try to get them to go explain that to somebody else, there's going to be a huge disconnect because a lot of times when you're dealing with a super smart per person, they can't get other people that don't have a brain that works like theirs to understand it. So, right. uh, yeah, and that, that's where a lot of the super sharp content kind of gets lost on people out there. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely true. Um, all right. Approximately when did you start getting involved with DFS and what drew you in? Dude, I remember it was like we were at Paris, Las Vegas, and uh, my friend's like, dude, check out this app called FanDuel. It's like fantasy football, but every day you can just redo it. And I'll never forget. It was probably it was Odell Beckham's rookie year. He's like, dude, play Odell today. And uh, whatever year that would have been, probably 2013, 2014, somewhere around 2015. then. Yeah. And so uh, he ended up having two touchdowns that day. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to win all the money. And like, I literally had no idea what I was doing. I didn't even min cash. Right. It was like such a horrific lineup. And, uh, you know, like that kind of got me into it. And then I, you know, I messed around from what is that 2013, 2014. And then I just was kind of just a pay the rate kind of average slap dick player for two years. And then by 2016, I, you know, would win a couple thousand bucks and be like, oh my God, I'm the greatest ever. And, uh, you know, it wasn't really until 2018 where I kind of really started to focus in on golf and got away from football and basketball and started focusing on that, that I was really starting to be successful. And then I hit a couple really uh, nice GPPs over on FanDuel. And then I was like, wow, I'm consistently winning a lot of this. And, uh, and then it just kind of took off from there. So, uh, you know, pretty average player for, uh, no, below average player for about two years, pretty average player for about two and a half years. And then it took me until that fourth uh, year, fourth, fifth year before I got really good at it. Again, similar similar trajectory for me. I started off, I was looking at my road tracker. I was a losing player for the first, I don't know, three, maybe even four years for me. So maybe even longer uh, before I started like having a couple winning years and then finally uh, became a winning player after, I don't know, six years of playing. Uh, so it mm -hmm. took me a while as well. And I think that's a fairly common thing for people who don't come in with that math background. I think that, that kind of gives you a leg up if you come in with the statistics background, the computer programming, come in mm -hmm. with from, from that standpoint. Uh, I think it's more common for guys like us who come from season long. Maybe it takes yep. a little bit longer to uh, to adjust and figure out how you need to play differently from season long. Um, all right. So, so you were not winning player right away. We covered that question. We also have a related question from uncle big Nick on Twitter S I <laughs> no want to know how long it took for the degenerate 75 to hit first place in a GPP and how long before he hit life-changing money. Also, when did he know he could do this for a living? Oh, wow. All right. So, uh, I guess the first time that I really hit big money was that was the Genesis, the, the Genesis, um, invitational there, February of 2018. I can still remember my entire lineup. I won first place over on uh, FanDuel. I think it was $20,000. And uh, that was my first big hit. And when you've been like trying and trying and getting close and getting close, you finally hit one. I, I, I honestly, I don't, I, I, you're hitting your first GBP. I, I don't 
it, it, it's hard to explain. There's just a certain feeling that you always want to feel again. And there's nothing's ever, I've hit ones much bigger than that, but it's just your first one is so special. Uh, I won't relate it to other things in life, but I think a lot of y'all know what I'm saying. Uh, and, uh, that was the first one. And then, you know, even once I hit a couple, I was like, Oh wow. I made like, I make a pretty decent living. Cause you know, I was a teacher that had these really good test scores. So I got paid for that. And now I've got this additional income. It really didn't even cross my mind to start doing it. Uh, professionally until 2019, I guess is when I hit, uh, I, I started hitting a big one. You know, I hit like 50,000 stacked it with a 40,000 stacked it with a 10,000 all on in a month. Uh, you know, and I'm not a guy that's playing tons of money every week. I play, you know, maybe a, a, a couple thousand dollars a slate. Um, and so, uh, that was, that was when I was like, holy cow, I could like do this all the time. And, uh, that was, and then when I made the fantasy golf world championship, um, and then I was like, okay, I know, I know I, I and I, I got to talk to all the top players. I was like, holy shit. I know, I know. Uh, I, I kind of was pretty humble until that. And then I realized, holy shit, I know just as much as all these top players, if not more. And then I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta start doing something different here. So you, so you went to the, the PGA live final and got to meet a lot of top PGA players there. Yeah. Made, made some pretty good friends still to this day. Some really good friends. Uh, it was just, it was just cool to be there. Cause you know, it's like you win those tickets, which is very hard to just win a ticket. And then there's 250 of us and it was two, it was a two week play down to the top 40 and then the top 40 got to go out there. Right. So, I mean, just to win the ticket was a fucking milestone. And then, uh, to, to, you know, you only had a one in six chance of actually making the live final, made the live final, went there. It was awesome. Uh, got to meet some smart dudes, talk to them. And, uh, you know, I was kind of just blown away with how much, uh, with these top players, golf is kind of like a secondary sport for a lot of them, their, uh, depth of knowledge about courses and, you know, secondary players was like, not that impressive. I was like, holy cow, like there's just not many people out there that are just living that PGA DFS life, right? Like it for mo almost all the top players, I literally couldn't name more than three where PGA is their top sport. It's almost always their second, third, fourth sport that they play. Uh, and so because of that, if you just really focus on it, you can, you can close that gap with the top sharks a lot easier than you can at other sports in my humble opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I would imagine that's true because I've always said, I've said this on other shows that I, you know, I, I approach golf from just, uh, okay, we know we have ownership projections. We have projections, uh, just play exploitatively. And that's the only approach. Uh, but I, I've noticed throughout the years of trying to get good at, or trying to play PGA, they see a lot of the same names at the top. So I, I tend to, you know, my, my assumption was there's really not that much to this It's probably hard to have much of an edge. And then I see the same people winning all the time. So I'm like, well, clearly there is a way to find an edge. I just have not found it and probably don't have the time to do so. So, uh, I'd be curious to, to pick your brain a little bit more about, uh, PGA DFS in particular and, and how to find an edge, but we'll, we'll get there uh, a little bit later on. We'll continue on talking a little bit of background, uh, so at least at one point, at PGA was your uh, the sport in which you would say I, you probably had the biggest edge. Would you still say that PGA is a sport in which you have the biggest edge? Yeah, well, specifically PGA Showdown is the nuts. Like that's where the biggest edge exists because, like, I mean, if you, if you're an exploit exploitative player like I am, I mean, there's no place to exploit people just being dumbasses than at uh, PGA Showdown. Um, you know, uh, I, I would say college football is another one I found that there's just, there's no good content out there. And if you don't know when people don't have good content, they make some dumb shit decisions. Um, and so you just take advantage of that lack of knowledge and people's lack of, uh, building it. And then, uh, yes, PGA would probably be just week long PGA classic, I guess, as people call it, uh, PGA would probably be the third one. And I guess to a lesser extent, I've, I've really started to get into best ball this year, but, uh, those would be the only four I would really say are like the truth. Okay. Yeah, best ball, sort of uh, DFS adjacent. I, I'm, I've gotten really into best ball as well. It's, um, 
it's fun. Yeah, it's it's, fun. it's a lot of fun. It's fun to track. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, can, it's it's a lot more fun on Underdog than DraftKings, in my opinion, just because Abs- it's impossible absolutely. to track on DraftKings. But you know, uh, in general, yeah. yeah. It, it, honestly, it reminds me so much of why I used to play FanDuel over DraftKings. Is like I just enjoy the interface so much more. Like I'd be like, I literally played FanDuel for so long just because I enjoyed how the interface works so much more than DraftKings. And now that I do best ball, I enjoy underdogs interface so much more than I enjoy DraftKings that it's like, I literally will go put thousands of dollars over here simply because I like their interface better. To be honest, it was the same for me. So when I, back when I was a hand builder, I was primarily playing FanDuel. Like I considered it my primary uh, mm-hmm. site. Now that I'm using uh, an optimizer, it's a lot easier for me mm-hmm. to interact with DraftKings interface. So now I, I treat them kind of similarly, but as a hand builder, I found it very difficult to edit lineups one by one. It was uh, just a, just totally different experience. I much preferred FanDuel uh, over DraftKings. So uh, similar for me there that I just really preferred the interface. Now I've gotten used to DraftKings, but uh, oh. Imagine back in 20, uh, 2018 when I finally learned about CSV files. That that was that was the game changer. Like, oh, yeah. I was like, how did I make it through my life like this? Um, that 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 shows you how long I was playing before I even kind of had. I mean, like I, I feel like if you don't know about CSV files, you're probably at best like average knowledge in DFS of where you need to be, right? And so if you don't know about that, you're probably a little below average. And that's where I was uh, for like four years. I mean, I yeah, I, I think I had used CSV files at some point in my professional life prior to using them for DraftKings and FanDuel, but it was definitely a learning process for me mm-hmm. as well. That's, uh, you know, not, not my background either. So it took a little bit of getting used to. Um, all right, we'll move on with, you know, with, with that in mind, we can talk about process a little bit. Uh, so do you do, I mean, I know you don't have any computer program background, but do you do any simulations or use simulations from outside sources uh, in your process at all? Yeah. So like for NFL, I use like, I, you know, I, I feel like you're, if you're not using some type of tools for NFL, if you're just going off your gut or I have a feeling like, I mean, like you, you, you have no chance. Like you don't even, you don't even realize how much of a chance you don't have. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, it's like kind of like reminds me of when I first started in DFS, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Like you're just so lost. You don't, you're not even aware of the things that you're an idiot at. And, uh, so for me, like in an NFL specifically, you got to use tools. I, I like run the Sims. I use them quite a bit. Um, uh, uh it, it's just a really good site to you know to to simulate the data run it out put in your own projections kind of get a feel for it because you know making your own model is is brutal for pga i'm a real big fan of making models i'll be the first one to admit i think models are the most overrated thing in pga but i do think they are useful and it is a good skill to have but um you know um uh, uh by the way i'm not going to plug anybody's site matter of fact i just want to shit on one but i'm not going to do it um <laughs> So yeah, PG, and that's another problem with PGA is there's not a lot of great, you know, like NFL, there is endless amounts of good modeling out there. PGA, there's hardly any, there's hardly any. And even when there is, people don't know how to use it. It's such a, it's such a barrier to entry because the statistics are so much different, so much more intimidating. So yes, I like making models at PGA. I definitely use models and simulations at the NFL. uh, And yes, you have to at college football too. Okay. So you do do your own models for PGA. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. You got, I mean, yeah, you have to. And because like if you're using somebody else's, well, first of all, you're trusting their opinion of how the golf course is going to play and what golfers are going to be good and what statistics are important. And by and large, these, these people, they're just guessing. They have no idea. They're just guessing. They're making content, right? They don't really know. Um, and so I don't really want to trust their uh, opinion. I'll trust mine. If someone's going to be wrong. I'd rather it be me. All right. That's, that's definitely. Uh, what about ownership projections? Do you trust uh, other people's opinions for ownership projections or do you do them on your own? Or So I've started making my own because I, I did a whole expose uh, back like probably when my channel is only a month old on my Wednesday night live stream that I always do for golf. 
and it got a lot of feedback. I basically just showed how ownership is so broken, broken in PGA DFS. Like I'm talking like the most basic shit people don't understand. Like, like their total ownership didn't equal 600%. It would equal like 650%. Like that's like a second grader can understand that the total ownership needs to equal 600%, right? You should understand that the average of all the players should never exceed 83.33 per player because like that's all you can spend is 83.33 a player for your 50,000. So if you get done with your projections and the average salary is 8,800, well, that's just ridiculous. And so because of that, and I realized these were the leading names in the industry that were doing this, um, and this is what people were trusting and then getting upset with the ownership. I've started making my own. Uh, I, you know, I, I have my own method. A lot of it is my experience. A lot of it is looking at what other people in the industry are doing. I have a whole formula I put together and then I'm tracking it. And, uh, you know, like brick does a really good job. If you know, I, I'm sure you know him, uh, his ownership, mine, uh, I track it every week. I post it on Twitter on how it's doing for the entire season, how we did for that week. And, uh, you know, cause if you don't have accurate ownership and PGA DFS, you're fucked because it is literally the single most important thing. And, uh, there's not a lot of great places out there that have it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Brick was one actually, one of the first guests that I had on this show. And actually Justin Freeman, uh, the owner of Run mm. the Sims was uh, one of my later guests in season one as well. So a couple names that have already been guests on this show. Um, and it's, so you do your own ownership projections. How much does ownership play a role for you in creating your own lineups? Yeah. So and like week long classic PGA DFS, it's, it's the single most important thing, unless there's like a weather edge or they're playing multiple courses like they are this week, those are more, you know, those are bigger edges to exploit, right? But outside of that, PGA is basically just a long-term leverage game. You're just betting against that people are dumbasses and they're going to go play 36% Scotty Scheffler when they could go play 18% Tony Finau. And you just know that in the long run, there's no way Scotty Scheffler is going to outproduce Tony Finau at two times the rate. Um, And you just play that long-term game and understand that if you do it, Every time and you do it consistently over the long run, you're going to get the dividends from that. So when it comes to PGA, uh, ownership is king. But for sports like uh, college football and NFL, it's, uh, you know, I, I actually will eat way more chalk than I do over at like a sport like PGA, right? Because like the chalk just gets there so much more. It's such a more predictive sport because we can, you know, at golf, everybody gets the same, play the same amount of holes. At NFL, not everybody gets the same amount of targets. Not everybody gets the same amount of touches. Not everybody plays in the game that's at the same pace. And because of that, you have to account for that and decide at what point is there a point of diminishing returns on their upside versus how much ownership I'm meeting. Right. Okay. So, so for NFL, then would you call yourself an exploitative player for NFL or are you more of a uh, projections player? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I would just like with any sport, my DFS strategy is always just to be super, super aggressive. So, uh, you know, I, I tend to love, I guess you would call this, uh, uh, exploitive. Uh, I like to play stacks that are, you know, that, that the lower owned stacks, right? Like, you know, like I love a good, you know, quarterback with two wide receivers that are low owned. Um, and you know, when that hits, it's the nuts. Right. But, uh, problem is, is with NFL this year, like chalk literally hits every week, you know, like I got Josh Allen. I thought I was so clever this last week playing Josh Allen stack and it got there. It got there. He did just fine. Him and Diggs and uh, Knox were just fine as a, as a three person stack. And I had a Jefferson run back with it. So I'm set, right? Um, I'm so smart, but then it doesn't matter when 25% owned Justin Fields goes for 43. It doesn't 30%, matter. 30% in the millie. Yeah. Plus 40% Cole Komet. Yeah. yeah I don't, I don't play in the millie. I, I'm, I'm yeah. a single entry whore. And okay. so, um, um, so man, that's weird. Cause usually I would think Justin Fields would be higher owned in the single entry than he would in the Millie. Maybe I don't remember his ownership correctly. Maybe he was like 30% in the single entries. Cause usually the chalky guys just get chalkier in single. I entry. know. I know. Yeah. So, so I mean, 30% was unexpectedly high, even in the Millie maker. So yeah. And then he, and of course he just, I mean, like he didn't just like 
uh, like do well. He smashed the slate. Like he had no chance without him. So because of that, you know, like, and that, 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 um, you know, that can happen at PGA too. It's just so much more often that in PGA, that 30% on guy misses the cut or gets T58 and all those lineups are dead. And this is why I'm such a, you know, I put so much more of my yearly funds towards PGA than I do NFL. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it's been tough this year for, for people who don't want to eat the chalk. It's been mm-hmm. a little bit tougher. Um, what about avoiding being duplicated by other players? Have avoiding lineup duplication is that a big part of your strategy for any contests? Yeah, so I mean, it, first of all, golf that's super super rare because the players are uncorrelated, right? And so because yeah. there's no correlation, you know, you really only got to play two guys under ten percent. You're almost guaranteed to not uh, have a duped lineup, right? Especially you know if you're not playing all the chalk. Um, uh, at NFL, uh, yeah, I like to definitely build uh, my showdown lineup specifically to, you know, you're always going to be duped to some extent. I just, my goal is to always to, to do product ownership, which is where you just multiply the projected ownership of each player. And I try to get that number as small as possible, multiply it times the total number of entries in it. And then I, my goal is to try to keep that number under 10. So if my lineup does win, I'm splitting it with 10 people or less. Um, you know, I hope product ownership versus cumulative ownership is not blowing people's minds, but just trust me, it makes sense. Uh, and, uh, I try to do that. Um, and yeah, I, I, the best way that I do that is I don't think it's playing absolute punts and stuff like that. I think that it's constructing your lineup in a way that most people aren't right. So like, um, what was the game the the other night, Washington and Philly, right? Everybody's playing four, two Philly or five, one Philly, uh, stacks. You just go run a four, two or a five, one Washington with a, with a commander at the captain. And you you're still making good plays. You're still playing guys that are in good positions to do well you're just constructing your roster in a way that's so much different than everybody else that you're going to be duped tremendously less and it could still get there which i think it did get there uh, the commanders did well yeah they did really well i think the four two ended up winning it i think one of my guys and yeah one of my guys in the discord ended up winning it with a four two i think uh commanders okay yeah i don't so. remember exactly what the winning lineup but I, I think you're right though i think it was Devonte yeah. smith and jalen hurts and then four, and then four commanders, yep. maybe yep. um yeah it was definitely uh that that can work out uh do, doing that i know i know a lot of sharp players who do the exact same thing talk yep. about just going you know stack the the underdog uh works out a lot more often than yep. uh, people give it yep. credit for and then um, at, at pga showdown uh it's i'll never have a duped lineup because i already know like the four guys that are going to be 50 percent, and you just don't ever play them <laughs> like right, right there if you just don't play the top two guys one and two heading into sunday literally 90 percent of the field is already has a different lineup just by me not playing one guy not to mention the six other guys i'm going to play just not playing that one guy so a little it's it's literally never came up on uh, showdown or at pga classic because if somebody's over 20 percent, they're basically auto fade for me and when you have a rule like that uh, you know, not only do I not get duped, I don't even have two V twos versus people. My lineups are so much different than everybody else's. Wow. Okay. So, so not a concern for you just because it doesn't happen for uh, PGA showdown, but for NFL showdown, it sounds like you're, you're trying to limit yourself to like under 10 dupes. Is that kind of your goal? Yeah. The, I, I try to get it to where my, my product ownership, when I multiply it times the total number of entries in that particular contest I'm playing, I always want that number to equal 10 or lower. Right. Okay. So then I'm basically saying, okay, so the number comes out to 7.5. All right. Well, if this lineup hits, I should expect that it's going to be duped 7.5 times. Right. That's what I do. Okay. That's what, pro- yeah. Yep, yep. I don't want to get down in the weeds of product ownership. Yeah. I, feel, I mean, people, people can look it up if you want to yeah. look up. It's, I mean, it's fascinating stuff. Is. It's so much better. Cumulative ownership is like second grade learning and product ownership when it comes to DFS is like grad school learning. And that's what you should be doing. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. So for PGA. So now I just want to get into just the nitty gritty a little bit to the extent you're willing to share uh, your thoughts on um, PGA. Is it so my question was, is it just ownership versus optimal or is there more to it? How much do you care about weather, tea times, course history, form, 
anything else that goes into your modeling of PGA or uh, your, your kind of process for picking PGA? Yeah, this is, this is like my biggest thing. I do my stream every Wednesday night. I'm like, I try to be the final word for people on uh, PGA. I try to get them the most up-to-date ownership, the most up-to-date weather, because those are the two most important factors that matter. And this week they're playing split courses there at the RSM Classic. And so that really matters too, right? These are really strategic things that you can take advantage of that most people aren't even giving a, a second of consideration to. So like this is this is the, the 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 joke that I always make with people is that at golf everybody like they have their picks and their picks they mean so much to them and they don't want to let their picks go and like I'm loyal to no pick like I like Tony Fee now last week but if he was going to be thirty percent owned I ditch him like a two dollar whore I'm just I'm not going to play a guy thirty percent owned you cannot be like emotionally connected to your picks they're all just pieces in your chess game that you're using to benefit you uh, and nobody else. And so when you think of it like that and you view it as which of these pieces can put me in the best position to win, well, you need to start looking at things like ownership, right? And this ownership guy, if this guy does well, if Hideki Matsuyama does well at 6% ownership, I'm going to be tremendously leveraged against the field uh, that everybody else is playing this 36% on Scotty Scheffler or whatever. Um, and then weather is the biggest one. I've somehow turned into the weather guy because I found this crazy internet site called the Weather Channel, where it's, it's the w wildest thing that nobody knows about. And uh, I basically just go in there and I say, hey, the wind's blowing Thursday morning and not blowing Thursday afternoon. I think I'm going to play the guys in the afternoon. And like last week, I told everybody, go play the PM AM guys because we know the wind's going to be blowing like crazy. And it was a two and a half shot difference between the waves. So I told you, like, there's going to be a difference and you're still going to go play 36% on Scotty Scheffler, who's in the bad wave, simply because he's your pick and you're so scared of missing out, whereas you could have played Tony Finau, half that ownership, who was in the good wave. And he just got two and a half free shots for playing on an easier course. I mean, like, that's just, that's, that's just, that's just such an easy way to play the game. And everybody has picks, whereas like when you really understand DFS, you'll realize you're just playing a game and there are no picks. So do you, do you regularly tee time stack? So I, that sounds like it was an obvious uh, decision yep. for you last week, but sometimes it's, you know, the, uh, the golfing will be somewhere in Europe and it'll be kind of mm -hmm. unclear. Like, is the weather going to come in, you know, in the morning, is it going to be in the afternoon? Do you ever play it the opposite way where like you build some lineups where you play the PM AM guys and then other lineups where you stack the AM PM and just kind of hedge your bets a little bit, like which, whichever way the weather works out, uh, you know, whenever it becomes windiest, because it's kind of unclear going in, do you ever hedge yourself a little bit like that and play both? Yeah. So a couple of things, first of all, in classic, I used to never do it. I used to just trust my meteorology skills so much. I would never even consider it until the players happened this last year. And the wave that was supposed to be on the good side got uh, ran over and the other way. And I like, just, I got roasted. Yeah. So uh, that humbled me to like, maybe I should hedge the other way every once in a while, but I will tell you what showdown specifically, you know, sometimes there's a, a balance. You got to ask yourself, there's wins in the morning, but they're playing on a softer course. There's no wins in the afternoon, but they're playing on a baked out course. Which one of those is better. So I think it's showdown specifically. It's, really a plus ev play to just make your lineups completely guys going out late or guys completely going out in the morning because those you know we talk about there's no correlation in pga oh no there's correlation those guys that are playing in the same conditions are relatively going to score about the same and, and it's going to probably be noticeably higher or lower than those guys playing in this in different conditions in the afternoon and so because of that i will build lineups specifically with guys going off early guys specifically going off late and if one of them you know one of those waves ends up getting a free, free you know a free shot uh advantage well then you know, you've just given yourself probably, you know, uh, a 50% advantage on your lineups over everybody else. Yeah. That's a huge edge over the field. If you can find something like that those days. So yeah, that makes sense. Maybe, maybe I do need to check out PGA show. I think you're uh, nope. encouraging nope. me and then discouraging sorry. me. Sorry, sir. No, no more sharps allowed. You're not welcome. Okay. I, I mean, here we, 
I've already I've already got two other sharps in it, and I already regret it. I already see him at the top of the leaderboard too much. You get out of here. You stick to your NFL. I'm probably not joining anytime soon, but I, I have not been proven to be a sharp in PGA anyway. Of course, I think uh, what, what you're telling me all makes sense, so maybe I could apply it, but you don't have to worry about me any anytime soon. Uh, I think uh, you can P- – you, you, you just got to – you got to remember, yeah, Jesse, Jesse's the king of showdown. I will tell you this. if it, The one thing that people don't understand about PJ, even top players like yourself that, that win a lot, is like it's just such a different sport than all the other ones because um, there's the, 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 the things that affect performance are so much different than we see at basketball, at football, at baseball. They're just such different factors to consider. Um, and people over-rely on recent form. And recent form is, is the most overrated statistic in golf, especially at showdown. He played well the round before. He's going to play well today. Matter of fact, statistics would almost show you that he's going to play worse today because he played well the day before because, like, you know, like these golfers don't shoot minus six every round. Uh, it averages out in the long run. So you're going to go pay an ownership premium off a guy coming off a good round where he's probably going to perform worse than he did the day before. I mean, that's literally just being a dumbass. And uh, for whatever reason, only about 20% of people seem to understand that. Let me take a minute away from this conversation with James to tell you about our sponsor, Odd Shopper. Make your best bets in 30 seconds or less with Odd Shopper. With hundreds of bets featured daily, Odd Shopper gives you the edge you need betting player props and game lines across all sports. Sign up for free now via the link in the video description below to gain access to our proprietary data, which will help you make your best bets. With expected win percentages and ROIs included, Odd Shopper uses the same DFS projections we use here at Stochastic to filter out the best bets available. Oddshopper also features a parlay builder with optimized parlays and an arbitrage tool that identifies risk-free guaranteed profit bets that you can make across sports books. So you do factor in form, but you factor it in as a, this is going to affect ownership rather than yep. he's playing well. So he's going to play well today. Yeah. That's yeah. The whole, the, they're playing well. I could never play them. Well, okay. I'll just go take like Seamus Bauer. Who's like been playing terrible, terrible, terrible. Oh, now he wins a tournament. How could he have possibly won? Who could have ever saw this coming? I don't know. He's the best player in the field. Who cares that he's had like bad irons for like the past three weeks. He's the best player in the field. They figure it out. They're professional golfers. Right. Oh, he, he, uh, he shot four over yesterday. I could never play him in showdown. Okay. Like it's Sam Burns, man. He can like, he can, he can get over a plus four and go shoot an eight under tomorrow. I'm pretty sure he did exactly that at the open championship and uh you know won somebody the 100k on sunday people love to overreact i think is what it comes down to people and you just got reacting and you just got to play you got to live that life and realize that golf is not as predictive as the other sports and basically just live that life of other people are dumbasses how can i take advantage of that and it's a great game to play at pga showdown yep that makes sense what about uh course history does course history come into play for you at all yeah, I'm, I, I always look at that. Uh, I like to look at, uh, you know, factors that people would, you know, at other sports would laugh at, right? Like, I like to play guys that are playing close to home, right? There is like, like strokes gained uh, sleeping in your own bed. Uh, there's like some level of like being comfortable and not ha- being weary from travel and stuff like that, that if like that's a tiebreaker, I'm definitely going to consider that. A guy who plays well at a course, this is something I literally never hear anybody in the PGA community talk about just like strokes gain psychology like when you're feeling good haven't i mean you you play golf when you okay let me i'm not any good okay me neither but when i play golf when i'm feeling good and my mind's in the right place i'm like a legit like low 80s golfer like i don't embarrass myself but when i get in my head and i'm not feeling myself it's like 110 120 130s even on the uh, you know a possibility and so like feeling good about yourself and and your game and stuff like that or just playing at a course you're comfortable with like if i go play at my little slap dick municipal course i'm like tiger woods if i go play at some fancy course 132 coming in so like there's, there's just something to be said about that. I, I, I'm a believer in that. I don't 
use it as the end all be all. But if that's like a little nugget that I can find to get me on this guy that no one wants to play at 1%, but well, you just got to remember, there's a reason that nobody wants to play this guy. And you need to just go find that one redeeming factor about him. That might be that thing that could get them to blow up at 1%. And that's what wins you GPPs. Introducing the Soul Collection by Brilliant Earth, the global leader in ethically sourced fine jewelry. From pave rings to star-studded bracelets, each piece made with recycled gold or silver and beyond conflict-free diamonds, embodies Brilliant Earth's commitment to design, craftsmanship, quality, sustainability, and transparency. Drawing inspiration from the warmth and energy of the sun, Soul is more than jewelry. It's an expression of your personality. The Soul Collection, exclusively at Brilliant Earth. Be light, be you. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. So it sounds like you like to factor in things that are uh, maybe maybe not unquantifiable, but at least mm-hmm. very difficult to quantify, such as like a home field mm-hmm. advantage, playing gloves mm-hmm. home. Like it's people don't want to factor it in because you're sharp, you're doing a model. You can't really find, you can't quantify that very easily. You don't know right. how much of an edge to give. So a lot of people, you know, doing modeling are not going to be uh, factoring that in. You like to find things like that where it is something that even if it's not quantifiable, it is still a factor. Like it clearly right. uh, increases the range of outcomes, gives you a better chance of hitting uh, a ceiling. So you, what I'm hearing is that you do like to factor. So how do you do that? Do you, I mean, if, you, if you're modeling for PGA, do you just give a, a slight boost to a, a golfer's projection or uh, how, how do you approach that when you're trying to factor these things in? Well, first of all, I, I got to say this, this, this whole quantifiable thing, whenever we talk about it, like everybody thinks models are quantifiable. Well, they're quantifiable if you know what statistics you're putting in are relevant to the course that you're at. And so often these people, they say, oh, this is the range they're, I need to look at. I mean, you don't know that. Like, you don't know how everybody's going to play. You don't know how the course is going to play. You're just projecting just like I'm projecting. So at least I'm projecting on something that like I'm not acting like is, you know, scientific. Right. At least I'm accepting that mine is a, is, is certainly not uh, uh, something that's very tangible. Uh, so as far as like, um, I'm trying to remember what, what the question you asked me was, I already forgot. I went on just that. How, just how you factor it in. So like, Oh I mean, yeah. You yeah. So you your own models. So yeah. First of all, I, I, I love to just, I use, I usually like it to find sleepers, right? Like I use it to go find a guy. I'll have a list of all the guys that, that have played well there. Of course, I'm going to put that in my model, but guys that maybe live in that area, something like that, they've played the course a lot. And that's just going to be a little note that I have. And if I see anything that pops on their statistics and then I can couple that with it, well, that's what is going to get me on a 1% guy that would make everybody else vomit to have in their lineup. Um, that's how I do it. Um, you know, and if I see a guy that's number one in my model, well, that's great. I like that he's number one in my model, but I also understand that models are very flawed at PGA DFS. And like, that's not the end all be all. And another thing that people don't understand about models is like the best player is always going to be number one in your model. Cause he's the best fucking player. And like, they, they just, they don't account for that at NFL. The best player on any given week is a very fluid thing. And it's almost always different. Whereas if Rory McIlroy plays a tournament, he's always almost always going to be number one in your model simply just because he has better statistics than everybody. So like when people say, but Rory's number one in my model, you don't fucking say, you don't say, right. Right. Um, you know, it would be like Josh Allen being in a game every week with a 58 point, uh, implied total, right. Of course, he's going to be the number one play every week because he's in a shootout game, but like, it doesn't work that way. Cause every week is different. Sometimes it's a 44 point line, you know, whatever. Sometimes it's poor conditions. Sometimes they're playing a team that goes at a slow pace, but at golf, that is not the case. 
Yeah, I suppose. Well, so, so golf is is four days long too, and I guess when you're playing PGA, it's not four days, but it's still a full day long. Uh, do you do you sweat the contest? Are you are you uh, updating your DraftKings, watching what's going on throughout? Uh, absolutely, I love. I mean, I, I more than anything, if I were a break even player at PGA DFS, I would still play it all the time. I just love it. I enjoy the process. This is what I always try to preach to people: is like, quit dreaming of being like this big winner that's gonna like, hey, you know, like live a life on a beach, making your fantasy golf lineups, just enjoy it. And if you break even, or even if you just lose a few hundred dollars a year, but you get hundreds of hours of entertainment out of it, what a gift that PGA DFS is. But that's if you enjoy, you know, making models and, and, and taking in the content and making lineups and tracking it. And I enjoy all those things. I would do it for free. The fact that I get paid, it's pretty fucking cool. So, um, I, I guess I, yes, I absolutely love it. my favorite thing to do is Thursday morning, a real, a real champion would wake up and make sure there's no WDs, but this big guy ain't waking up at five in the morning. So uh, I stay up till about midnight, make sure no withdrawals. I go to bed. I wake up in the morning, scroll all the way down to the bottom, and then I slowly start scrolling back up and then hope that I don't see my start guys at the bottom of the list. I it's like my favorite thing to do, uh, you know. And then if I'm off to a good start Thursday, I start thinking, hey, maybe I should play some round two showdown and go take all these assholes I want to fuck off tomorrow to give me a little hedge equity against my good week long contests. Interesting. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm always I'm always doing something. Always doing something. I'm I'm with you. I, I love sweating games. I'm I do I do think it would be really fun. You know, those people who like go to bed and wake up a hundred thousand dollars richer. Like mm -hmm. they they go to bed, they don't wait till the end of the contest. That'd be right. so fun to do that sometimes. <laughs> so maybe I, maybe there'll be a day that I don't sweat, but there's, a, there's no much. chance. There's no chance. There, I mean, the sports I play, there's just no way I could ever wake up and be like, oh my god, I won. I you know, I won. I won a hundred thousand dollars. I think I'm going to be up sweating it. Yeah, I, I, mean, I just can't get myself to not watch, to not pay. Exactly. Attention. I mean, that to me, that's that's part of what you're paying for is the is the fun of the sweat. And I, I'm not going to I'm not going to deprive myself of that, because if there was anything more fun than winning my first GPP, it was like that 45 minutes leading up to it where there's this realization, holy shit, I'm going to win this. And yeah. uh, that, that was like a really special, fun feeling. Like, it was like, I cannot believe this is happening to be successful at something that I try so hard at and care so much about the very first time after you've done it for so long. I know. Yeah. I remember my my first big win too, which was I think ten thousand was my first big win. My first five figure win was just mm -hmm. incredible to me. Like I cannot believe that I just won playing this game that I love playing. So uh, I'm with you that uh, there's nothing quite like it. Uh, we had a number of listener cues to get through here. Uh, people had a lot of questions for you, so we'll just bang these out uh, before the end of the show. We got a question from Tell Me You Love Me. If you had to give up cold brew or ranch water, actually wait. Let me start by asking the question. What the hell is ranch water? Okay. First of all, offensive that you don't know what ranch water is. I'm not, I like you, Neil, but that, that, that's offensive. Okay. Uh, ranch water is, uh, it's like the best adult beverage out there. As a, as a man who's getting a little bit older, I don't want to be hung over. I don't want to like be dehydrated all night after I drink. And I have found the Lord's elixir when it comes to adult beverages. It's called ranch water. It's very simple. Blue agave tequila. The better the tequila you get, the better the damn drink's going to be. Mm -hmm. Topa Chico water. It has to be Topa Chico. You know what Topa Chico is, right? It's the Mexican carbonated water. You've seen okay. Perrier, right? It's yeah, just no Perrier, Perrier, but it's from Mexico as opposed to, uh, as opposed to France, right? Uh, and then a squeeze of lime and a pinch of salt. It's the best, most refreshing drink ever. No hangover. Goes down the hatch smoothly. Uh, has the little suds from the, uh, from the carbonation. You'll feel like a million bucks. I swear okay. by it. Best okay, drink so wait, to be clear. So there's tequila in this drink. Yep. Is it is it like you're saying that I should drink this as my alcoholic beverage, or is this like yes. something I take before bed to make sure? Oh I'm no. Right? I mean, I guess okay. you could. I, I just have <laughs> it as my adult beverage because like right, I can right. drink I can drink three of them, uh, and I still feel like a million bucks. I don't know what it is. It's the only thing like you know, it's not heavy like a like a big like a lager beer or something like that. It's uh, you know, it it just hits different than whiskey does. I just I just love it. I love it. 
man it'd be tough i i, I love my bourbon but uh maybe it'd be worth a shot if i can find Try this don't and don't get the pre-made ones you mother fathers if you go get the pre-made ones you're like oh that sucks you got to make it yourself okay there don't go don't go ranch waters i thought this oh my one you God, made I, up dude no okay. they're they're like super popular i mean they're everywhere I, I get a picture at least once a week on twitter from somebody being like it's party time and they're taking a picture of them getting ranch water at uh, costco or something all right good to know so uh homemade Ranch water, you just gave us the recipe. I'll, I'll try that sometime. Um, all right. So, so the question is, if you had to give up cold brew or ranch water for the rest of your life, which one would it be? Uh, and then also, yeah, uh, we'll start with that question. Which one would you yeah, give no up? No chance I'm giving up cold brew. I'm literally pounding one here on the show with you right now. This is the key to life. This is It wakes me up. It keeps me full all day so I can, I can fast until I eat like 12,000 calories at dinner. This is the elixir of life. All right. Mike did just send me a, a picture of a can of ranch water. So at least there you I, go. I know what it looks like in a can, I guess. Don't um, get all that. Right. All right. Yeah. Just, I got to make my own. Okay. Uh, second part to this question, favorite part of history to teach. Uh, uh, the Hamilton time, I guess the musical made me just realize how much I love teaching that whole time from, uh, the revolution all the way through, uh, the, the, the passing of the bill of rights, the emergence of the first political parties. Don't get me going down this alley. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge nerd. Um, yeah, I love that time. I love that time. Let me, let me, let me go back and live at that time for a little bit. Other, all, I guess there's no DFS. I don't know what the hell I do for fun. Yeah, you just get into uh, shoot offs. What, what exactly, duels. Duels. Get in duel. Yeah, you, you just duel. I, but I'd be wanting to get into some fan duels if you know what I mean. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I right. stayed up all night coming up with that one. Uh, David Hernandez says he has two questions. Uh, what tout sites, if any, do you guys use and why? I'll let you answer uh, if you use any tout sites. You said you're not going to be throwing any out there, uh, but if, if you have any. Yeah, so first of all, like I, I generally shit on tout sites. That's like a real big part of my brand is like if, if you're like wanting to be one of those people that wants somebody to give you picks, then like I'm not I'm not your cup of tea. My big thing is like teaching you how to play and you make your own picks. You know, all I mean, it's at least I mean, like I it's incredible the amount of screenshots people send me and they hit like $100,000, $70,000, $80,000, like just life-changing money for these people. And it's incredible. And I'm so happy for them. And they always want to like give me the credit and be like, oh my God, I, I want to tip you for this. I'm like, bro, you made the lineup. You risked it. I just gave you a couple pointers and you know, I didn't give you a single pick. You made that lineup 100% yourself. Maybe I taught you how to play the game a little bit, but like, that's what I do. And because of that, that's what I really want to be is the guy that just kind of teaches you how to play, but never gives you a single pick. Like I'll never give a single pick. Um, and people that do that, they just kind of, I don't know. They just feel like hucksters to me. Like, Oh, you've got to play this pick. And if you play him, you're going to win. It's like those betting assholes. Um, and I, I never want to be that guy. So because of that, uh, I've always been very careful to, you know, that's always what tout sites have felt like me. However, I think what a lot of people in this industry do that is not genuine is they say that tout sites are any place where you get tools. And if you're going to a site, like let's just use yours, Stochastic, and you are getting tools that you use and you use them to benefit your game and you're making your own picks, well, that's not a tout site to me. That's a tool-assisted site, and those are awesome. Okay. Matter of fact, um, you know, I, I, I'll just, I, I, I like Alex. I'll go ahead and say uh, Stochastic's great. Um, uh, that that's not a tout site to me. A tout site is like, you know, where they're in there saying, you've got to play this guy, this guy, and this guy. And if you don't, you're a fucking loser. And like, if you want people to give you picks, I get that there's probably a really big market for that, but I think that's kind of slapdick. And if you're doing that, you'll always be a loser at DFS. So I think we're on the same page here. So I, 
yeah, uh, depends on what you consider a tout site, but I'm, I think that that's generally our approach here is to try to teach people, give pros and cons to different picks. And like, this player is going to be chalky. This player is going to be contrarian. This is how you can build lineups with them. Uh, so it's more of a, a teaching tool. Uh, but yeah, if you, if you consider a stochastic a tout site, certainly that's the one I use. I am a full-time employee at stochastic at this point. Uh, I think we have great tools, but it's really more about the tools. And, you know, you, if you watch the show, this more about people telling you, explaining how to interpret the tools is the more important aspect than, oh, this player just projects so well, you need to play him. I, I yep. don't think that's uh, generally the best approach because then if that's what you want, just look at projections, look at point per dollar projections. These are exactly, that's all you really need for those. So generally uh, the, the better approach plus, is to no Plus PGA no is just such an easier sport to tout, right? Cause I mean, yeah. like, it's like, it's like the picks are so out there versus like, I mean, it's so much clearer who's going to do well on an NBA slate or an NFL slate versus what it is on a PGA. So PGA just lends itself to touting so much more. Like it, it's just so much easier. And the problem is I think why touting has become so big in PGA and what drives me nuts is most people that play PGA DFS used to be sports betters. And then they come over and play PGA DFS. And if you don't know sports betters, it's just all about being, having your picks, right? This is the guy that's going to win. And then you're used to sharing that with everybody. So if you hit, everybody hits their hundred to one and we're all happy, right? But at DFS, when you do that, it just comes off like it, it's a completely different game and you shouldn't be like really wanting to play the same pick that everybody else is playing because like you're literally just stepping on your own dick. Yep. So exactly. that's in, in a large field GPP. Like it's just you can't just play all the top projected plays. You're going to be either duplicate or your line is going to be very close to other people. And it just uh, is not the best recipe for winning. Um, all right. Zach Parker asks. For, I have a question. Who is James? I'm 94% sure his given name is DGen. But then he followed up with a real question. Uh, if, if you could be the DraftKings golf czar for a day, what changes would you make? Man, I uh, let's see. That's a great question, Zach. Um, first of all, I have a VIP host who's actually familiar with my show, which really helps lend credibility because now I have like someone's ear at DraftKings that I'm getting in there. Um, that's why I, that's why I'm reluctant to shit on him about the stat correction for uh, from last night. But what I'm really big on is I wish they would not treat sports like, uh, you know, like uh, swing season golf and stuff like that. Or even uh, even when it's full season golf back when in March, whenever golf is king again, uh, you know, even showdown, they kind of treat like a bastard child. I wish they wouldn't put their summer interns on industries that could grow so much. PGA showdown just in the six months I've been doing it, it's literally just ex like doubled in growth in the amount of interest in it. People want to play it more. They realize, oh crap, week long is not doing well. I'll go play this showdown. And so it's growing. And the best way they could grow it is by building good contests that people want to play in instead of these lotteries where a third or half of the money goes to the top spot. It's just such a negative EV tournament that even if people are interested in it, they can, I'd say a good number of people are smart enough to understand that's a stupid fucking tournament and I don't want to play in it. So I wish that they would come up with uh, you know, like some really good structured tournaments that they've never done, like a $100 20 max. I'm always telling him do a $100 20 max for like your medium to upper level players who want to play, you know, 20 lineups, have some skin in the game, but also don't want to go play 150 lineups. They want to just go play it, you know, a $100 20 max. So you're in for 2000 bucks. You can get some nice exposure over 20 lineups. You can get some of the guys you want in there. And it would just be perfect. So that would be mine. They, they give better contest selection and the only way, and that they wouldn't treat, uh, you know, sports like, you know, like bastard children and give it to their summer interns. That would be my two complaints, but overall, you know, uh, and they would get the stat correction fix. Can I go with that one? Yeah, give my, yeah, go, go give Maddox correction. the catch, you mother fathers. I I'm literally got video proof of all four of them. Don't make me post it. DraftKings. Unfortunately, you're only the golf stars. So your authority does not uh, move over to, to NFL. It doesn't doesn't work there. So sadly, no stat correction for you. Yeah. I mean, hey, I'm trying to I'm trying to grow their college football brand. I'm telling you, if college football 
ever becomes legal, because if you don't know, it's not legal in 20 states, right? It's only legal in 30 of the 50 states. If it ever becomes legal in all 50 states, like the only barrier to entry is just the number of teams. But I think that college football, it is the second most popular sport in America, only behind NFL. There, The market would literally triple or quadruple in size. And if we're going to pay these college players, how the hell can we not do DFS over their game? So I think that that's probably yeah. coming down the hatch in the next few years. Man, I hope so. I, I've never been into college football, but I don't think it would take much to get me to really yeah. invest and be be interested in it. Um, all right. Derek Anthony asks, uh, could you please ask him if he's a mother or a father Thanks. Okay. So first of all, you need to understand mother father is my term, right? And uh, by the way, I I am, I am the mother father. Uh, and, uh, the reason I like, I, I, I've never told anybody this, but like, I, I dropped the, the F bomb so much that like literally on my stream tonight, I have an F counter above my head. And every time I say, fuck, I got to put another dollar in the till. And then I play one of my people in the contest and they get to win all the money for every time I say it. Uh, cause I'm trying not to cuss so much. It offends my mom. But, uh, I think, for some reason, when you say motherfucker, it just sounds so much worse than fucker or fuck. And so I came up with mother father, so it wouldn't be so offensive. And then I just said it on here. So I guess I'm not that bleep me, uh, producer, please. Um, he's not going to, okay, <laughs> leave it in there then. But that's where, that's where it came from. Mother father. Okay. I just got tired of saying the F bomb so much. There's, there's Mike saying, Nope. Uh, so that, that's where it came from. People love it. I, apparently I need to put it on a shirt because I think I could sell 500 of them tomorrow. I'm sure somebody will come along and steal it. I've already seen some people trying to steal my, uh, my showdown hoedown symbol here or not my title. So I'm, I'm nervous. Uh, so along those lines, we got a listener question from DT 93. <laughs> I want to know if he's got the trademark sorted for donkey chalk <laughs> and if a merch line is coming soon. But what a, I mean, I literally, you'd think I have these questions in front of me. I do not. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's so hard to just make content. I feel overwhelmed by it and to, you know, get stuff out from my discord and make sure that they have everything they want. That uh, like the thought of doing merchandise and just putting one more thing on my plate, like it, it, it just sounds horrific. That's just one more thing to keep up with. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. It seems a little pretentious. I just, one of my big complaints with people in this industry is they just take themselves too fucking serious. And like, you know, like they like blow people off and they big dog people. And to me, like having your own like trademarked brand that you sell your clothes. I don't know. I just I just feel like I'm getting a little too close to those guys in the Venn diagram. I don't want to be in the Venn diagram with those fuckers. <laughs> All right, so so no no merch coming anytime soon. Maybe one day. I mean, maybe maybe you can make but, some money off it. I don't know. It's not the not yeah. the worst way to make some money. But uh, that'd be the problem is I'd like I just want to. It'd probably be all my fucking hardo fans just wanting it, and I don't want to like profit off of them. I want them to. Yeah, you know, I'd be like, here, I'll just sell it to you at cost because you know it'd be cool to have my brand out there. Then you got know. free advertising every everywhere they go. So. I I, I got to be the only person that got into YouTube not trying to make money. I literally don't monetize any of my videos. Like I just did it because I needed a hobby. It is not healthy for 36 year olds to not work and i needed something to do and that's where it came from you do not monetize your videos i didn't realize nope. that nope so it's all no. just for fun yep yeah uh, and if i if i didn't have to pay an editor and buy all this effing equipment i wouldn't even i wouldn't even have the patreon but uh i do and so there, there's that but that okay. uh that's trust me not getting rich off that yeah looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. 
If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, an infant formula company on a mission to get a lot closer to the most super superfood on the planet, breast milk. Our patented protein blend has more of the important and most abundant proteins actually found in breast milk. We're the first and only US-made formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. We even conducted the largest clinical trial by a new infant formula company in a quarter century with clinically proven benefits like easier digestion, less spit up and softer poops versus a leading infant formula. And we make our own formula in the USA and our very own factories in Iowa, Oregon and Pennsylvania. Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. All right. Uh, Alex K14 says, look, looking forward to this episode. You constantly give great insight on how to use leverage slash ownership projections to get the win. And that with a pyramid payout, how important first is when your lineup has a chance. Do you have insight on contest selection? How important is it to max enter? Yeah. First of all, Neil, I hope you're offended that that's the only guy on Twitter that's nicer than you right there. Right there, the only man on Twitter nicer than Neil is I mean, Alex K14. He is very clearly much nicer than I am. I'm I'm a big fan of Alex. Uh, he asks questions often on these shows, and he has he has good questions. So uh, happy to to ask his questions. Yeah, if you guys, I, I, he's a friend of mine. So like, if you ever knew him, you'd be like, that is not what I was expecting from that guy. He's a uh, uh, he, he wouldn't fit your mold of like the guy you're thinking of. Trust me, he's a he's got it together. Um, so uh, not that you were thinking he was a bum. I fucked that up. Right. Anyways, um, so uh. To, to answer the question, when it comes to contest selection, this is like the biggest thing that I, I see most noobs losing money at. I just wish DraftKings would make a good amount of their tournaments where 10% of the prize pool goes to first, 10% of that goes to 10th. So basically, you know, the top 10 spots are getting paid out very well and you don't have to hit the absolute nuts to get it. You know, like if you just finish top 10, four or five times a year, you could make a very good profit for the year. That would be my goal. I'm trying to make really good lineups. that are going to finish in the top 10, but you know this, when you get up there to the top 10, the difference between first and second literally could just be like the most arbitrary bullshit. You know, you'd be like, well, you should have played to win. I did play to win asshole. I got second. Yeah. It's not like I was like, no, I just want to get second tonight. That's my, that's my uh, ceiling. So, you know, like uh, it's contest selection. Uh, I love a rule that I like to follow is the 10% rule to first and then 1% of that, uh, 1% of the total prize pool to 10th. And the other one I like to follow is max enter every tournament you do. If it's a 150, don't go put 20 lineups in it. If you want to do 20 lineups, go put it in a 20 max. If you want to do three lineups, go play in a three max. If you want to play five lineups, go play five single entries. Okay, don't go play the, the less than the number of the the number to allow you because if you're if, if if neil's playing 150 lineups in showdown you're playing 30 well he has five times leverage on you and best case scenario on the best day of your life you're as smart as him 
but now he has five times the lineups that you do. So he has five times the leverage on, on the best day. He's, uh, he's the same level as you, but he's probably better. So now, not only are you giving up leverage, you're playing somebody that's sharper. That's just a, such a negative EV play right there. So, so max entering contest. So you would not enter a contest if you cannot max enter it. Right. If I'm, yeah. And like that, right. And uh, you know, the $20 golf every week, uh, I don't mind max entering that, but not when a third of the money goes to the prize pool. If 25% or more of the prize pool goes to first, it's auto off my list. That's just a negative EV tournament. My play, you know, I know it looks great for the screenshots and I know a lot of the higher level pros can play those, but you know, I'm only playing like, I, you know, I only play at max four to $5,000 a week, my budget for an entire year. I lay it out. It's only like a quarter million. Some of the top players do that in like six weeks. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, that's nothing I, I, I play, I get my money in, you know, like I'm like a good, like five, 10, 10, 20 professional poker player. Right. I like get my money in, in the right spots. I get it in against people that I know I can consistently beat. And that's what I do. I'm not trying to win the world series of poker and, uh, you know, uh, the main event and stuff like that. That's just not what I'm after. Okay. Uh, and then uh, actually Alex had a follow-up question. Do you have a golf ratio of number of golfers in your player pool to number of lineups you're making? Oh, absolutely. I feel very strong about this because I told you I'm a super aggressive player. I think that you always want your player pool, every person in your player pool to be 2x the projected ownership. So like if you're going to play Scotty Scheffler at 36%, you just make sure he's in 72% of your lineups, right? That's that's my rule. I call that the 2x rule. As far as specifically a number of players, you know, like in a 20 person, if I'm doing 20 lineups this week, I will legit only have 13 to 15 players in my player pool. They'll all be in at least 20% of my lineups and four of them will be in 60% of them. Um, because if my player pool hits, I want to have as many bullets as possible. So often when people do like uh, 20 lineups, they'll literally have 50 players in their player pool. It's like, dude, you're just paying the rake. What are you doing? What are you doing? Give yourself a chance here. If, if Tony Finau is going to go off, you need to have him in tons of your lineups. So you have multiple lineups with the nuts guy. So you're very aggressive with your, your player pool, making sure that it's pared down uh, yeah. based on the number of lineups I have, you're playing. I have, I have steadfast rules. When I'm playing 150, I will never be above 25 players in my player pool. When I'm playing uh, 50, I will never be above uh, 20 players in my player pool. When I'm playing 20, I'll never be above 15. And when I'm playing three lineups, I will never be above 10. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, w. Gableman said he has two questions. The first one, what's the story behind your affinity for ranch water? <laughs> this kind of went already. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Just I, like I just I literally I'm an old dude and I like to drink alcohol and not to like a piece of shit afterwards. That's it. That's the whole answer right there. That's a good that's a good enough answer for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too old for hangovers, brother. Yeah. Uh, he followed with, do you have a structure around salary that you lean towards when building PGA rosters? Uh, a structure around salary. I don't so know. Like that's... stars and stars and scrubs versus like playing mid range plays. Like, how do you? Yeah, I go look at ownership and I say, oh, everybody's wanting to build, you know, put two guys above 10K in this week and then go stack like a whole bunch of low 7K guys. I'm going to go do the exact opposite. That's basically my strategy. I just, you know, my bread and butter is just seeing what most people in PGA wants to do and then going the other direction. Uh, because, and it's the same thing. Like I'm, I'm all about like avoiding donkey chalk, you know, which is just like the chalk that's so bad that if you play it, you're a donkey and, uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, the chalk always gets there, but like we're tracking it and it gets there about 50% of the time and 50% of the time it doesn't. So if I can go play a guy at half the ownership and it's going to be a 50, 50 proposition, well then, you know, that's the nut. So basically I just go with whatever the field thinks is smart and just go the opposite of that because, uh, golf isn't, uh, these other sports that's that predictable. The, the one thing that's predictable is people are dumb asses at projecting it all right good uh it's uh so it's not not really around salary more about ownership for you but i guess it around salary and the fact that it can change the uh construction as you say like if, yeah if everybody's jamming in two 
you know, of the guys who are over 10,000, then yep. naturally you're going to be changing your entire construction if you avoid playing them. Here we are. It's Wednesday late afternoon, and I haven't made a single lineup yet for a contest that starts tomorrow because like, I'm not even considering it until I have all the relevant data that I need, uh, the, the latest up-to-date weather, my final ownership, uh, uh, see what a couple touts in the industry said today on their final Wednesday show to see where they're, you know, which way the wind's blowing on ownership and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I go make those decisions. And if I hear everybody saying you got to play Brian Harmon, well, I'm, I'm just not going to play Brian Harmon. It's pretty simple. Yep. All right. Uh, all right. Kim Gould asked, uh, she says he preaches pivoting off the chalk, but does he eat any chalk? And if he does, is he more likely to eat value chalk or studs? Yeah. I feel like I keep stepping on my, the next question. That's like three times I've already done that. Uh, so yeah, donkey chalk. I, uh, when it comes to chalk, uh, and PGA specifically, uh, I guess even in NFL, this rule applies. Um, it's always, if I'm going to play chalk, I'm always going to play the higher end chalk because a low end chalk guy just, I just, it's just the worst. Like, um, you know, like a guy that's like this week, uh, there's a guy that's mispriced at PGA He's going to be 6,300 and he should be 8,300. And so he's going to be like 20% owned. And I get that he is underpriced and they, and DK screwed up, but like at 20% ownership, there's just no way that the guy right next to him, who's going to be 1% ownership is a 20 to one dog to be outperformed by that guy. And so I'm just not going to play that. Right. Uh, by the way, it's the same guy that screwed everybody last week when he missed the cut too. So, um, yeah, if I a rule for me is if I'm going to eat the chalk, it's always going to be a top end player over a bottom end chalk. Always. Like if I were going to play chalk last week, I would have played the Scotty Scheffler shock. But when I saw a wind edge, I'm like, good. Now I have a reason to get off this guy. And that was it. I was done with him. Perfect. Yeah, that's uh, answers her question pretty well. Um, all right. Andy Frances says 74 degenerates came before him and then a star was born, uh, which I, I made a question out of that. Why 75? So you're modest 75 on. DraftKings, you're the degenerate 75 on Twitter. Is there a significance to the number 75? Yeah, the producer guessed that uh, that, that was the year I was born. Not that old. Uh, born in 84. Uh, yeah, 75 is just my old high school football number. I, okay. I, I wore 75 in high school. So, you know, anything, you can't just be the degenerate. So they make you throw a number on everything. So just 75 gets tossed on the end of everything. We'd like a defensive end or what, what do you play? That yeah, defensive tackle. I'm, okay. a I'm, a, I'm a large human. Okay. All right. Uh, that's okay. Good. That's that was actually my my first screen name was AV41SF. Uh, Apple Valley was the middle school that I played in at the time. Uh, I was a small forward and I was number forty one. So uh, similar, just using my jersey number for my how, screen name. How good of a basketball player were you? Uh, so I was very good in seventh grade when I was five ten and everybody else was five five. And I I, uh, I had twenty three blocks in a game once. I, I was. Uh, yeah, I was very good then, uh, and then I everybody else caught up to me height-wise, and by freshman year of high school, everybody was like the same height as me, and uh, I was a pretty good, I, I was a, a very dedicated basketball player. Uh, I would not say that I, uh, I, I think I was uh, not as good as I thought I was at the time. Right. How about you? Were, were you much of a basketball player? Yeah, I mean, I love basketball. I, I like at my high school, I played. I was at a really big high school, so you kind of had to focus on your sport unless you were like, you know, a D one athlete. And so, uh, yeah, I just I, I I realized that I have a much more um, football body than I do basketball body. But to this day, I still love a good pickup basketball game. So I have yeah. So I, I used to play. You know, I had a, a basketball hoop in my backyard, and I would play for eight hours a day for, for some summers. I was very, very dedicated to it. And then my sophomore year after putting in all that work, I didn't make the varsity team as a sophomore. I dropped out and uh, joined the cross country team the next year. And that, that was what took over for me after that. Uh, so you ran for fun. I ran for fun. I ran uh, all four years of college. I was on the cross country and track teams. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, that's crazy. That's crazy. Fun, fun is not exactly what I would call it, but you know, I'm, I'm glad I did it. I made some, I some good friends out of it. 
I have a really weird fat kid admission to make. When I my favorite dream that I ever have is I can run and I just keep running and I never get out of breath. And I'm like, this must be what like runners enjoy. Like you could just keep going, you feel good. And that's like the best dream I ever have. That, you know you're a fat kid when that's the best dream you have is that you can run all day without your lungs burning. I have I have a similar dream, I guess. Mine is more uh, you know, more un unworld otherworldly than yours in that I have a dream where I start running and then I just step and I just float through the air and I just like I'm running and then I just floating through the air all the time. So no idea what that means either. But I think we all have those uh running I, I've, weird yeah. running dreams, I guess. Yeah. I that floating one I've had too. Me and you need to talk later. I, we we gotta figure out what the meaning of those are all about because I've had a lot of those too. I can just like run and jump and I just float in the air forever. Yeah. There's gotta be some secret meaning. I don't know what it is. There must gotta be, be something. We're going to, we're going to look it up and it's going to be like something that we shouldn't have admitted, you know, and exactly. They're going to be like, Oh, okay. So that happened to you in your childhood. Like these fucking perverts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Moving on. Will Sue asks, I would like to ask him what is up with the fantasy national site. It appears to be as much fun to use as fantasy labs. I have no idea what that means. Somebody responded and said, that's a deep cut. Maybe you know what it means. What does that mean? I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to cast aspersions here, but uh, I'm, I, you know, as the guy that's kind of like the final word on like everybody's last thoughts and what your model should say and all that. Um, I try to show people what I put in the model and things that you could consider this week, even though I think models are generally bullshit. Um, and one of the sites I use has been fantasy national. I've used them forever and they used to be the king and the best. And then they've just like quit. They've just quit on the site. And yeah. you know, you're like, well, just move somewhere else. It's a free market. There is nowhere else. And like, there's just nowhere to make good custom models, right? They were the best when it was there, but they just like quit on the site and it's run down. So they're just trying to go me into talking shit and, uh, they don't have to do that. I'll do that naturally. All right. So that's, uh, that's your response to all that's, that's the whole response. Okay. Uh, so we close the show out always, uh, by, I, I just want to know, I want you to tell me about your favorite DFS win or win celebration. If you know, if you were with people, if you celebrated in some way, and if you have a few, that's, that's fine too. Uh, I mean, uh, I guess, um, you know, I, I was going to say that first one, cause it's always your first, your favorite, but I've already talked about that. So I guess, uh, what was that? The 20, 2021 uh us open it was like i i had had a lineup that was just like the nuts and then terrell hatton shoots like a nine over on friday and misses the cut and um i was like oh man i'm not gonna get there but then like you know like it was such a good lineup and i still have five guys up there and the us open it's such carnage that like you know you can still hang around the top 10 and stuff i was like ah you know i was still ninth place heading into sunday but everybody ahead of me had you know six golfers and this was uh, to win a ticket into the fantasy golf world championship, which I wasn't investing very much money. in. it was literally like a $44 ticket that I only played because DraftKings sent me like a free hundred bucks to DK dollars to play. Right. So I just tossed a couple in there. Cause I, you know, like I told you, I only play like plus EV plays and satellites are not plus EV plays. Um, and, uh, I threw it in and then like, you know, Sunday happens and I'm like, Oh wow, that guy, he had a good round. Oh shit. Matthew Wolf four under at a us open. Oh shit. Harris English back door in the third place. And then like it gets to the end, I'm like, holy shit! If Rom can just like birdie 18 and win this tournament, I'm gonna I'm gonna win this ticket. And then like he pussies out and he flares his second shot into the on 18. He like flares it into the bunker. It's like, hey, it's a par five. He can still get up and down for a birdie. And he chips out away from the hole. I'm like, you freaking you huge pussy. Now he's got like a a 20 foot bender because he's just playing for par for the playoff, right? 
he freaking butts it. And I'm like, no chance this goes in. It just starts curling. I'm like, man, that's a pretty good line. And then like, you know, the lady's watching. She doesn't get to watch that much. She doesn't watch that much golf for me. She don't give a shit. And then it just starts curling. And then he, you know, it goes in. He does the fist pump and me and her both up do a, a fist pump. And I'm like, well, I won. I was like, holy shit, that really just happened. A five of six just got me in the fantasy golf world championship. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for one day I left John Rom. I guess that would be the answer. That'd be my favorite story. Uh, you know, and it's only like an $18,000 ticket. I've won ones that were way more exciting than that but it, i think it was because i just wasn't it wasn't even on my radar of outcomes that day yeah. that like to actually get there just seems surreal that has to be a pretty rare thing to win a tournament with a five out of six yeah oh it was over a thousand people too like it, you know like it was a it was a big gpp so to win a five out of six uh and, you know i think the cut that way there was like it was like a five percent six of six rate so that was a good number of six of six lineups i beat yeah that's awesome wow. yeah it was a, thank, thanks story. john rom and yeah I, I still, <sighs> Yeah. All right. Now you got now you got me going down nostalgia lane. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, that sounds like a great one. I'd be a fun, fun nostalgia lane to go down. Yeah. And then uh, that started the whole process of going to the fantasy golf world championship. And if you've never been to a live final, let me just go ahead and tell you, it's the coolest damn thing ever. Like I, I will be the first to shit on DraftKings every now and then, but that fantasy golf world championship, they did it like champs. It was awesome. It was the, it was one of the best experiences of my life. And um, you know, I will be, I will be getting back there this year. I don't care if I have to mortgage my house. I will be chasing those tickets like a dirty whore. Yeah. It's a, I, so I've never really been one to chase tickets myself either. I, I don't love doing the qualifiers. So the only live finals I've ever been at have been uh, the tournament of champions where it comes along with a regular prize, uh, mm -hmm. but they just, they treat you like VIP. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, so that's my only experience, but I, uh, you know, I've seen videos of other live finals and it seems like it's probably the same thing where it's just like free food and drink mm -hmm. all weekend. They put you up in a hotel and mm -hmm. it's just like, yeah, they, they, they treat you like Kings and Queens. So they do. I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the live nice. Final. Yeah. Nice little, uh, uh, little, uh, gift bag with all kinds of cool stuff in it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, air conditioned tent right there on the, on one of the best holes on the course. It's, uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, I, it's I will, you will never hear me say a bad word. And honestly, you get to meet, you get to meet some cool people there. Yeah, for sure. That, that's that's a the players and the and the DraftKings staff, because yeah. a lot of those DraftKings people that want to go work those are like the golf hardos that really love fantasy golf and they want to be there and watch the event, too. And yeah. so it's really cool to interact with them. And you get to I learned so much more about the industry uh, just being there for that, uh, you know, those three days. And that was with a frickin what was it, a hurricane that came in or something? Oh, no, really? Yeah, they had to cut the last day short. Wow. OK, yeah. so that yeah. kind in of, New York, uh, of all places, I didn't even know New York got hurricanes. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah, not, uh, not frequently, I don't think. What, what do you want me to say? I'm a mush. I can bring hurricanes to New York City. That's that's a gift I have. I'm a true mush. Impressive, impressive. All right, James, where, where can people find you? Yeah, so uh, my YouTube channel is The Degenerate 75, uh, the showdown hoedown right here. That's that's my symbol. Do football, uh, college football, NFL football, PGA content. Uh, and, uh, of course, on The Degenerate 75 uh, right there uh, on Twitter. I think it's below me. Right on. Which, by the way, I got like 100 new followers just from you tweeting out about this show yesterday. So thank you, you legend. Oh, that's awesome. Glad yeah. to hear that. Well, I mean, you've, you've been growing on your own without any help from me. You've been uh, gaining an audience both on Twitter and on YouTube. So fun to see the uh, see the, the site taken off, or the, the YouTube channel, I guess, taken off, even if you're not monetizing it currently. Uh, good to see. I'm not going to monetize. I'm not, I have no corporate overlords. I will never have any. All right. All right. Well, thank you, James, uh, once again for coming on. High Stakes, episode 26. Thanks to Mike Lawrence for producing as always. And thank you for watching. Hope you enjoyed the episode. You'll be able to find episode 27 of High Stakes two weeks from now on the Stochastic YouTube channel or wherever you find your podcasts.
Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.